Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Still to come, we'll get into the pregame. Canucks and Seattle Kraken tonight. The I-Fivalry returns in Seattle at Climate Pledge Arena. We'll uh, join up with Sportsnet Pacific following the conclusion of the Colorado Avalanche and Detroit Red Wings. And uh, I, I feel like nostalgia every time I see these two teams play. And the rivalry just isn't there anymore. With Colorado and Detroit now being in separate conferences. I know. That was a crime. Keep them together. <laughs> it's crazy that Detroit lasted in the Western Conference for as long as they did. And they kept winning. You know, for, for all the talk about, like, you know, how, how, how big of an unfair advantage it was. Like, they went through their glory years yes. playing in the Western Conference. All that travel. Didn't matter. We're the Detroit Red Wings. We're fine with it. Uh, it is... Canuck Central, Dan Riccio, and Satyar Shah. Let's uh, go to the Dispatch Plumbing Heating and Air Conditioning Hotline and welcome in from ESPN, Ryan Clark. Thanks for this, Ryan. How are you? Good, good. How are you two doing this evening? Uh, we're, we're pretty well. It's, uh, you know, even though the Canucks are mired in their first three-game losing streak of, of the season, uh, things, things are still pretty good for, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, you might imagine. Yeah, no, I mean, it's strange because you say mired in a three-game streak when you think about <laughs> what they were this time a year ago. Yeah. When, dang, is Bo Horvat going to be traded? What's kind of the focus going forward? And now it's like, oh, no, a three-game losing streak. Thoughts and prayers. How will they survive? Um, but, no, it's just kind of been interesting the turn that they've made in the last year. I, I try to find uh, jokes to, or light, light ways to bring up that it is their, their first three-game losing streak of the season to maybe – Talk down, the, talk down the fans that might think it uh, it's a sign of impending doom of the of the Vancouver Canucks, and they'll return to their uh, uh, basement dwelling ways of the last number of years. But it doesn't look like that's happening this year. And you know, we we wanted to have you on to discuss this top ten center list that just uh, dropped on ESPN today. And you know, the Canucks had uh, one of the top goalies. They had the the second best defenseman in in Quinn Hughes in in earlier polls. And now they've got the number 10 defenseman. And it's a big reason why the Canucks are where they are. They have these star players and they supplemented them finally uh, with a, a pretty decent team around them. And Elias Pettersson coming in at number 10 on pace for back-to-back 100-point seasons. He's, uh, I mean, it's not really a surprise that he's here, I guess. No, not necessarily. Just because the narrative with the Canucks, it feels like the last few years has been they've had really good talent. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, how do you surround that talent with players that could really maximize what they do in the lineup? And what you've seen this season is an example of that. You think about what's been done with Miles Hoagland over the last few years in terms of developing him and getting to a point where they feel he's, he's ready to contribute at the top six forward. And you're seeing the, the payoff of that work this season. And yes, Elias Lindholm just got there, but at the same time, you think about where the Canucks have been in previous years, maybe trading for someone like Elias Lindholm that is in a possibility, but even then, like while that's been of the first line right now, the point is, is like you are able to get wingers that you can rotate and move and shuffle. So, like there's what's going on with Brock Besser this season. Of course, there's been what's happened with with Connor Garland this year as well. Um, you think about the fact they just brought up Baines and he's on the second line now. On top of the fact that this has just been a team that's had depth, and so not only has it had depth, but you know, this has been something we've been talking about a lot on radio on, on different shows. And with the Canucks, it's not even just been the forwards, but it's the overall five-skater game that's really allowed them to get 
more of these offensive opportunities. Like, yes, we talk about Quinn Hughes, and understandably so, but when you think so, 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 so much about the fact that they rebuilt and reconfigured this defensive unit within the last six or seven months by trading for Philip Roenick, you get Ian Cole in free agency, you you get, even though he's hurt right now, Carson Soucy, and then you trade for Zadorov, like, that is big, so that way you have something to go with Hughes, something to go with Myers, and that way when players get injured and you can bring up Manoa Juleson, it puts you in a situation to succeed. It certainly does, and and the fact that Canucks have two guys uh, that are kind of in that top 10 mix, because JT Miller was the guy that ended up being uh, the next highest vote-getter, so the fact you have two of these guys going that way, I think that plays a big part into it, and as far as JT Miller and his reputation goes, uh, one person saying that they had him fifth on their ballot in terms of centers, it shows you how far the narrative on JT Miller has changed compared to where it was at some point last year and where we're at this year. Well, I mean, you have to think about sort of, again, why that is. And for one, number two centers are always going to be important in the NHL. But number two, you think about what the role of this Canucks team, well, not just not the role, but where this Canucks team was this time a year ago and what the role of, of JT Miller was. Like we talk about second line center, what, who was it? Was it him? Was it Paul Horvath? Like it was kind of like this rotating thing, whereas if this year what we've seen is not only the consistency in his production – but the consistency in his role, you know what he is. And, and and the fact that we've seen Elias Lindholm go to the wing really says a lot about what they feel about J.T. Miller. And not only his offensive production, but what he can do defensively as well, which, again, for the Canucks this season has really uh, been, been important. And so to be able to have two centers like Patterson and Miller and then someone like Lindholm that you can push to the wing on top of everything else you have, like we talk about, okay, what are the things that teams do in this league to win? And being strong down the center is something that helps. We think about what Chicago and Pittsburgh did in their cup runs. And, yeah, having talented players certainly helps. But the thing that they held in common is they were so strong down the spine. We saw the year Colorado won it. And then last year, we think about the Vegas Golden Knights. And you're talking about a team that can rotate with Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, and then that 4C spot like you could use Teddy Bluger, you could use Michael Matteo. The point being is, is they had that spine – and that played a really, really big role in their success. And when you look at the Canucks this year and, and what they have so far, Pedersen and Miller have been a huge part of that. I uh, th- This might be a little bit out of left field, Ryan, but you know we are living in a world where Elias Pedersen... Not being funny, you're on Vancouver radio and I talked to Thomas Drantz. Left field is normal. <laughs> well, we know that from Drantz at the very least. Um, but... Uh, we are living in a world where Elias Pettersson is uh, still unsigned beyond this year. And, you know, there's a lot of people wondering if maybe he pulls a Matthew Kachuk sort of scenario and says, you know what, I don't know if I'm long for Vancouver when the offseason comes along and the Canucks are forced into a scenario where they've got to move this player. What is a top 10 center in the National Hockey League worth in trade? A ton. <laughs> of course, the hard part in giving a value in that whole seriousness is it all depends on who you're talking about. Like, it could be multiple first-round picks. It could be prospects. It could be players that you can get right away. Because, again, you look at, let's take, for example, the trade that sent Pierre-Luc Dubois to the L.A. Kings for the Winnipeg Jets. And while Dubois is a top-six center, of course, there's not Elias Pedersen here, which, again, he's a top-three center, top-line center, whatever term you want to use. As if you use just the haul the Winnipeg Jets were able to get back, 
you would think that Elias Pedersen would command something in that same neighborhood, potentially, not potentially, but you would think greater. But, of course, right now the million-dollar question or several million-dollar question is, like, what is going to happen with him? And it's interesting that you bring up Matthew Kachuk because you think about where the Calgary Flames were at that time. Like, this was a franchise that no one really quite knew the direction because, like, they had this young talent that had come through – and yet it just felt like once they lost to the Abs in that one playoff round, they could never really quite find a way to get back to where they were. And you think about what the Flames are now, and they're still going through these questions of what's the long-term look like versus the short-term. Whereas if with the Canucks, like, yes, there have been questions in the past about how do you make it work, but the question has never been the can the Canucks develop talent. It's been a question of can the Canucks develop the sort of talent that not only stays long-term, but you can build something with them because, again, People in Vancouver, you can just say the names of players who've left, and it makes them frustrated. But at the same time, when you look at what the strength of this roster has been, it has been the amount of homegrown players that you moved on from. But not only that, but you think about where they were a year ago. We talk about that Bo Horvat trade, and the first they get back for that, and the fact that it's what opens the door for them to get Philip Ronick. So if you're Elias Pedersen, or really any player who plays for the Canucks, whether you're on the roster now or someone who's looking at going there, one of the things you could possibly look at is where is this franchise heading and what you've seen in the last year is a front office that was aggressive and went out and got Rick Tockett. For all the conversations last year about the challenges the Canucks faced, and there were plenty, they still won 20-36 under Tockett. Pedersen is having another strong year. Miller's having a career year. We talked about the work that they've done with Miles Hoaglander. There have been the resurgence of Brock Besser. There was the aggressiveness to go rebuild that defensive unit. There's the fact that they even traded for Zadora. They traded for Elias Lindholm. They weren't afraid to move on and, and, and do the things that they needed to do. And what you've seen in the last year is an organization that has said, hey, we're serious about winning. And sometimes that might be the biggest question that needs to be answered is how serious are you as an organization? And for the Canucks, they've answered that question in the last 12 months. Well, and as far as Pedersen himself is concerned, uh, you know, believe it or not, there is a lot of pushback in the market towards Pedersen yeah. uh, nowadays <laughs> because of the contract talks. And any time he doesn't have a huge game, people are criticizing him. He, they say he falls down too much. So, so I think he's he's under the microscope here, believe it or not, even though he's on pace for like 107 points or whatever it is this season. But I do think in his game, there's still room for growth. So on this list, he's 10th. But I mean, in a couple of years, he might be pushing that top five. So in terms of value, I think that's why the Canucks are so aggressive in wanting to keep him because, yeah, you, you might view him today and say maybe he's number 9, 10, 11 in the NHL in terms of centers, but he puts it together a bit more in two years. He might push that top five. He very well could, but again, it just goes back to the idea of like how long does it take to get to this point? If you think about the person who's above him and Jack Eichel, remember what the the thought on Jack Eichel was for years was, well, is he really a complete player? Is he just more skilled in one end? And until he had his injury this season, people were seeing the full force of what Jack Eichel could do. You're talking about someone who was logging high-end minutes on a penalty kill. It was one of the biggest reasons the Knights had two-way success in the postseason last year. But in terms of like what it would take for him to crack, you know, again, that top 10, what do a lot of these centers have in common? Eichel is a two-way player. Point is a two-way player. Jack Hughes, that's something that he's starting to develop into. Alexander Barkoff is someone who could mess around and win the Selkie this year. And, of course, there's Sidney Crosby, which the more you talk to people, the more people are like, you know, you would think Sidney Crosby would have won a Selkie by this point. But, again, he's played the air of Ante Kopitar and Patrice Bergeron, who between the two of them, no one was winning anything. And even then, like with, with Nathan McKinnon, you've seen that part of his game grow. You've seen that with Connor McDavid. And so with Elias Pedersen at this point, like, yes, if you're him and you're the Canucks, you're in a good spot. 
And it's about how do you take what you've done and build upon it, which that's been a larger question for the Canucks as a whole just this year. But again, with where they're at, it's, it's understandable why they want to get him signed. It's understandable why you want to get him to a, not only just a deal, but a long-term deal, because with what you have right now, it's a promising future in Vancouver, especially when you consider the fact that you have a top 10 center in this league. And that's the other thing about the list of top 10 centers is you look at all of them and there's something that nine out of the 10 of them have in common, which is this, they are all players who were drafted by their teams. Eichel's the only one that's been traded. And again, it reinforces what we always talk about in this league, build from within, because if you can do that, it's going to be a much, not necessarily easier path, but it's, it's a path that allows you to have more possibilities of getting these types of players as opposed to trying to make a trade in free agency where you don't know all the variables. Yeah, generally top 10 centers in the league do not come available, uh, whether it's in free agency or, or trade. It uh, should be a fascinating one. Thanks for your insights today, Ryan. We appreciate it. Ain't no problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, there is Ryan Clark of ESPN, Ryan underscore S underscore Clark on Twitter's where you can follow him. He joined us on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. Um, I, I had to appease the masses because as we were talking with Irfan Gaffar about Elias Pettersson, we had so many questions about what Elias Pettersson would be worth in trade. And the reality is, Sat, like a top 10 center in his prime hasn't really been available in trade in the National Hockey League for a very long time. Like, who who do we even consider in that conversation? It's Jack Eichel, and that's it. And Jack Eichel had a broken neck when he got traded from the Buffalo yeah, Sabres I, to the Vegas Golden yeah, Knights. Yeah, the situation was different. I think the only other guy was Brad Richards when he was available. Yeah. And, and he ended up going for, what was it, UC Jokinen, a first-round pick. And a third liner too. Yeah. I forget who it was a third line center from uh, from Dallas. Uh, I forget who it was, but they, they got. I mean, it wasn't the most enticing package in the world, no. right? But it was at, eons ago, yeah. Um, I'd say th- that was maybe um, the, the closest thing to it. Jeff Halpern, yeah. Jeff Jeff Halpern, Ma- Jeff Halpern, Mike Smith, UC Jokinen, yeah, and a fourth round pick, not even a first. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Now, Mike Smith was a good goalie. UC Jokinen had a couple of good years. Halpern was a third-line center, right? Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, the most enticing package. And that was back when he was kind of considered a, a top nine, mm-hmm. top ten kind of center in that range. Two-way guy. Had won a Stanley Cup with Tampa before, right? Had some pedigree. Um, and again, I think Pedersen's value would be higher. Yeah. And I think his situation is different. But yeah, it's it's somewhat unprecedented in the cap era, a situation like this, if indeed that would come to pass, right? Now, for all the talk, and like we mentioned, there are some texting in and saying they're done with Pedersen, they want him to get moved, and they've heard that he wants out and everything. Sure. Now, others, like this one from Colin and Caribou, has PD ever signed a deal during the during the season? He only had he only signs an entry level contract. Yeah. And his second contract was signed in training in camp. training camp, right? Uh, I think he's just a guy that likes to do his business in the offseason. He's not uh, going to be subject to daily media scrums about it. I'm not worried. I think he's being honest with us. That's Colin from Caribou. So there are those that aren't putting too much into it. But the overwhelming responses are, does he even want to be here? Should they look to trade him? Like That seems to be, at least in the text inbox right now, what what most people are are commenting about. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's somewhat, I don't want to say foolish, but... 
to expect that Vancouver isn't going to have some level of leakage come out about the contract situation, even if it's entirely speculative mm-hmm. and doesn't have a ton of basis to it. Like it's, it's going to happen, right? That's just the nature of the business. And again, as we just mentioned, like players of this caliber don't become available in trade generally. Now, you know, Matthew Kachuk a couple of years ago, Pierre-Luc Dubois last year, it, it happens, but Pedersen as a top 10 center at age 25, back-to-back 100-point seasons, generally those players aren't available in trade. They don't get close to the end of their contracts. Generally, they just sign new ones, and they're with their team for a very long time, but that hasn't happened yet. As it stands, Pedersen is having another great season, right? He's ranked the 10th best centerman in the league, and there's not too much debate about it here. I don't know if I'd rank him any higher than where he's at right now, but he's ranked properly I on think this it's, list. I think it's fair where yeah. he's ranked. I mean, and, and I think the reason why, and, and I understand we can be critical of his game from time to time and everything, right? I can understand that. Yeah. But his game can get a lot better than what it is today. Yes. He can be better than Jack Eichel. He can be better than Braden Point, in in my opinion. Oh, for, right? Yeah, and I think he can be in, in the, that top five situation, yes. right? And, like, for all this talk about, you know, the trade stuff, and, again, it's we're answering questions about this. Like, I'm not looking to trade him, and somebody texted in, you don't look to trade him unless he comes out and tells you he doesn't want to be here. And that's 100%. true. And Rutherford himself said, like, Rutherford himself, when we asked him about Pedersen and just, you know, where they're at with things, he said, well, we're not going to do a trade in the, during the season. Yes. Which was kind of a strange answer to the question because yes. we weren't asking him about trading Pedersen. It was more no, we about, were not. Like, you know. So he answered by saying, you know, um, if we have to trade him, we'll do it in the offseason. Yeah. That's what management said. But obviously they haven't received that answer yet. Yes. Right? And you don't look to do that. So this is not a trade deadline thing. This is an offseason thing. Like, no matter what, you're, you're getting through this season. You're going through the postseason. And then you're tackling it after the year. At least that's what it looks like. But there's no – what's the percentage chance Pedersen gets moved at the deadline? I'm putting it at what, 1%, 2%? Yeah, it's not 2%? Happening. I'm not going to say 100%, but I, I'll say 2%. I, I, uh, there's a non-zero chance. Yes. But it's it's not happening, yes. right? Um, look, you still have to prepare for both scenarios if you are the Canucks front office, as I mentioned earlier, because you'd be somewhat foolish not to. So it, it's a reality you have to live in. Because if that situation were to play out, guess what? The dominoes fall pretty quick, right? You get to the end of the season. The Stanley Cup is awarded. The draft is a few days later. You're right into it. Like, you probably want to trade him by the draft if you have an answer about what he thinks his future should or shouldn't be. And, you know, the idea of playing, you know, him on a one-year contract where he could get walked into unrestricted free agency is very uncomfortable. They're it's not, I don't it's think not they're really that. a – I don't know if it's a it, – it's not really a plausible situation. No. If you don't have an answer, you have to assume that this player doesn't want to be here long term. I don't think that's what it's going to be. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that's what it is. Like, they would go into the season with them. And, you know, for, for all the talk about Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, what the Flames settled for for Matthew Kachuk, I do not think that's what the Canucks would do. Yeah. They'd want something younger. Yeah, I mean, somebody's asking us. You don't have to name names or, or whatever, but what do you think? You know, something would something fair would be to me. And again, like I've mentioned this before, I'd look at a team like say Anaheim. Yeah, and I'd be like, if that team would be interested, Leo Carlson. Yep, 
Mason McTavish. Yep. First round pick. They have other players involved. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I you want, would want a highly regarded, like, under U24 yeah, player, U23 player, something like that. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You know, and I'm willing to take less on the package if I can get one or two of those guys. You know what I mean? Like, even like I'd rather have Leo Carlson because I think his upside is, yeah. is super high. Like he, I think he can be a Matt Sundin, Ryan Getzlaff type of center. You know what I mean? Like that's the upside Leo Carlson has. So I'd be all for going after a guy like that. But even Mason McDavid, yeah. but like want well, more. In, like I'd rather get that than like settle for some twenty-seven year old or get a bevy of like I don't want the Brad Richards trade. No, which is a second line winger and well, like and you know third line center and like you know maybe maybe a goalie or something. No, like if if I'm trading him, I want a U twenty-three, yeah. U twenty-four player. Who has the upside of being a first line center type player? And even the 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 Jets trade uh, for Pierre Luc Dubois, like it's it's worked out for them. Uh, again, Pedersen's a way better player than Pierre Luc Dubois, so he would get way more in trade. But you know they got three guys and replaced Dubois sort of in the aggregate. Yeah, and it's worked out for them. Um, but Dubois is also not the same caliber of player no, that Pedersen not, is. Not, not nearly, even close, right? Not nearly. And then you have. Calgary, who made the decision to go for Huberto and and Uyghur when they had to trade um, Matthew Kachuk, and it hasn't worked out for them. And I think that's sort of the s- situation you want to avoid if you're if you're the Canucks. Like you have that recently played out situation that you know they had Daryl Sutter, things went great. Canucks have Rick Tockett, things are going great. All of a sudden, you lose one of your big pieces, and you have to recalibrate, and it's not working as well. So. Look, a world without Elias Pettersson is not a world the Canucks want to live in. They've made that pretty clear with the way that they've talked about wanting to re-sign Pettersson and they've rolled out the red carpet for this guy to be a Vancouver Canuck for a long time. From the organization's point of view, they want Elias Pettersson to be here. And it simply just does come down to him. It, this is, and it, it's not surprising in the slightest because again, Top 10 centers do not grow on trees. You do not trade for them. You do not sign them in free agency. The only way to get them is through the draft and generally when you're picking top five, top 10 in the draft. And for those asking, saying, why are the Canucks even willing to offer him this type of money because they're not sold on the player? Because to your point, they may not all be perfect, but there's so few of them. Yes. And if you have one, you have to find a way to make it work. And if you if you can't, well, then you do what you have to do. But that's why they're willing to give him pretty much anything he wants. Yeah. That's why they're willing to make it work with him, whatever he's looking at here, right? Because you can't go and find these guys. Like, what, what are we talking about? If you had to trade him, you're talking about trading for somebody who's younger that maybe one day becomes him. Yes. Maybe, if yes. you're lucky. You know what I mean? Like, And that's if you're maybe. lucky. If it works out for you. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's why the organization's first choice, even if it, the money is too rich for your blood, would be to give him the money and have him stay. And I, and I think that's the most prudent thing to do, even if it is hard for you to accept that it's 11 or 12, whatever the number is for you right now for him. With the cap going up, if he continues getting better, that's not going to look as bad. That's why I'm willing to do it because yeah. I think you can live with it. But, yeah, I mean, you're not going to find these guys. No. I mean, this organization, how many first-line centers of this caliber have they had in the organization over the years? It's like Henrik Sedin. <laughs> yeah. Elias Pettersson. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's it's a pretty short list. Like there there are guys who've been good, but not this caliber. Maslin turned good, but but he's a winger, not yeah, a center. Like an actually, like a center. That like Pedersen. It's might really be, just Henrik Sedin and yeah. I mean, Le- Le- Trevor Linden was really good, right? Yeah. But Linden was never like a hundred. Linden points. was never no. considered a top ten center in the league. Yeah, like he was considered. All due respect to his career, yeah, great career. He was really but, good, but he was never considered that. Yeah, right. So I mean, 
It's very hard to get these types of players. Yes. And find these guys. And even when their games might infuriate you, infuriate, piss you off. I can't yes. speak today. Even if that does happen, you still bank on it because the upside is so high. Yeah. And, and you just can't find it elsewhere. Uh, that's that's where you're at with with Elias Pettersson. Um, for those that have just tuned into the conversation, that may be listening live on Sportsnet 650 via the Sportsnet app or on your radio dial. Elias Pettersson said to have received a $12 million annual contract, believed to be in the region of eight years, uh, that reported by the fourth period. We talked with Irfan Gafar earlier, uh, did not deny that the Canucks have talked or tabled or discussed a big money for Elias Pettersson. We know when front office Executives have talked to us. They haven't denied that they've laid out the red carpet for Elias Pettersson to remain a Vancouver Canuck. So there's a general sense that, you know, the Pettersson camp knows how much Vancouver wants to keep him. And it still just lies on him as to whether or not he wants to stay. Just comes at a very interesting time. We're a couple of weeks away from the deadline. Not that Pettersson would be traded this year, but you wonder if... You've got to go the extra mile to maximize this season. At least I do a little bit. We might have to drive down that path a little longer next week. <laughs> I like this one. This text here. Wow. Uh, guys always went after you guys went after Bo and now you're going after Trevor. <laughs> Come on, Rager. I'm just saying. I'm just saying he's, you know, it I wasn't guess, a knock it's on not Trevor. A knock. <laughs> it's just the reality of they, it. I mean, like, they literally haven't had a center have back to back 100 point seasons before. Yeah. Do we have to, like, go back to, like, 1995 <laughs> and see who the top 10 centers were <laughs> to prove our point? Yeah. I wasn't saying Trevor Linden's bad. It's just he's not a top 10 center when he was in the league. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the only center to have over 100 points is Henrik Sedin, 112. Yeah. And Pedersen had 102 last year. Yes. And he gets over 100. He's going to become the first center in franchise history to have back-to-back 100-point seasons. JT Miller might get there. Yeah, JT might get there. Uh, top 10 centers from uh, 1997. <laughs> Mario Lemieux. I think he was pretty good. Uh, Wayne Gretzky was still getting close to 100 <laughs> points, even as uh, however old he was back then. Uh, Matt Sundin was close to 100 points with the Maple Leafs back then. Ron Francis was still very good. Some guy named Peter Forsberg, Steve Eiserman. Forsberg. Uh, yeah. Never heard of him. Uh, Mark Messier, Mike Modano, Doug Gilmore, Adam Oates, Doug Waite, Vinny Domfus, Eric Lindros. Sorry, uh, do I need to go further down the list? I think it wasn't meant as a knock to Trevor Linden. Now it feels like it, it is that. I think we threw shade. Rager's like, I'm going to tell him that next time I see him at the gym. I'm sorry, Trevor. <laughs> we appreciated you coming on the show earlier this year. Please come back. It was very eventful. <laughs> We love Trevor here on Canuck Central. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. You're listening to Canuck Central.